0: Hello and good morning. It's Friday, the 12th of October, 2018. Welcome back to Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue, the only weekly podcast dedicated entirely to autonomous cars. Today, episode 57, a very special episode. This, as I welcome to the show, our second ever guest. I'll be interviewing Assistant Professor of Regional Planning at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, Dan Pietkowski, about the potential mutual exclusivity of autonomous cars and pedestrian-friendly cities.
1: terms apply.
0: It's Friday poll day on autonomous cars with Mark Hogue. And today's question, which actually leads in quite neatly with today's interview with Dan is, and it sounds tongue in cheek, but it's actually really serious. If you allow yourself to think about it for a moment, how do you think autonomous vehicles will defend their occupants against criminals who surround the cars with intent to commit a crime against the vehicle passengers or cargo within Is it A, drive over them, B, evasive maneuvers, C, summon the police, or D, something else, in which case, please do explain in a tweet. Head on over to Autonomous Hogue on Twitter to cast your vote. That's A-U-T-O-N-O-M-O-U-S-H-O-A-G. Head on over. The poll will be up for the next three days. Cast your vote. We'll report back here on Tuesday. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for, the interview with Dan. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
1: All right. Hello, uh, Dan. Yes.
0: Great. All right. Uh, You can hear me loud and clear.
1: Yep. Uh, And you with me as well? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Good.
0: Uh, all right. Well, really great to uh, to have you with us. Obviously, thanks so much for jumping on this on this call here. Sure. Um, yeah, let's just kick things off then. Uh, for listeners who may not have caught up on the last episode, 56, I discussed a really great article uh, with Dan uh, over at GreenBiz.com. The title is Safe, Efficient, Self-Driving Cars Could Block Walkable Livable Communities. Um, so, yeah, I just want to kick things off. You know, Dan, you made a pretty uh, powerful comment. You said... Uh, quote unquote, we can have a world of safe, efficient, driverless cars, or we can have a world where people can walk, bike and take transit in high quality, human scaled communities. So basically, you're saying it's kind of this or that you think that the two, namely a world of autonomous cars and pedestrian friendly cities are perhaps mutually exclusive things. Um, Have I summed that up correctly?
1: Yeah, that's a fair, fair summary.
0: So walk me through that line of thought, because just to kind of cut to the chase, it seems to me it's simply a matter of, okay, we've got rules for pedestrians, rules for
1: cars. What's the problem? Sure. So, well, I guess to start with, you know, this is, it's kind of, that comment is bounded within cities specifically. You know, I I guess I want to make the point that I think autonomous vehicles are a really exciting new technology that have a lot of really exciting applications to make our lives better, but specifically within cities we 've got kind of two trends happening where most cities today or a lot of cities at least are really pushing for bikeable places, walkable places human scale places town centers all that sort of thing is 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 gaining momentum in our cities um, but then, at the same time we have driverless cars potentially coming online soon-ish, you know, I don't, I don't really know when um, that can just make driving really, really, really convenient. Yep. And, you know, and so we kind of, those two things, those two movements are maybe mutually exclusive. Um, Potentially they're not, but I think that we're not really having a discussion about the problems that that happens when those movements kind of start butting heads Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. well certainly just to interject a thing here i mean to the point about the convenience offered by autonomous cars certainly there's been a lot of arguments and indeed really rigorous study uh that have suggested unless you know unless we're able to kind of move towards car sharing rather than car ownership in fact the very convenience you're talking about with autonomous cars rather than solving the traffic woes of the world it's actually going to make things much much worse i mean the analogy of course is adding lanes to a freeway that's only a short-term fix if that of course the long-term result is more traffic as we all know so to your point about convenience i certainly get that um i guess i guess my question then becomes you know with respect to convenience and i i think you made a really good point here in the article of course you know you've, you've got this he situa- you gave a great hypothetical right you know beautiful sunny day lots of bicyclists ordinarily in the town but on this particular day they all kind of decide to flood the streets well what then then you're going to have autonomous cars maybe taking alternate routes they probably shouldn't be taking i call it the ways effect where you end up turning mm-hmm. residential streets into full-on <laughs> thoroughfare boulevards i mean is this kind of what you're on about i mean because again going back to the question I, I mean, and you mentioned this as well which is so you have rules, you know, pedestrians can't do X, Y, and Z. Cars can only drive in certain places and so on.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so to get to, to that issue of, you know, what do we do um, if and when in, in this hypothetical, you know, and I, I realize there's a lot built into that hypothetical, but I'm thinking about, let's say autonomous vehicles suddenly come online and there's no more, sort of, you know, manually driven cars or whatever you call them. Um, and infrastructure hasn't caught up to anything. So we're in our existing conditions. It wouldn't take that many people, whether they're on bikes or whether they're walking or whatever, to stop traffic, assuming that driverless cars are, are programmed to not hit people, sure. right? That
0: seems to be the first um, law of robotics, according to a certain Mr. Asimov. <laughs>
1: that, that's right. You know, and, and we hope that that, that is one. And, and that, but that's actually something that I, I think that this hypothetical calls into question. So at what point do we say it's not okay for people to block the paths of autonomous vehicles? And then what do those vehicles, what, what do we do about that? You know, do we have police officers stationed to make sure that people stay, stay on the sidewalks and crosswalks and that bicycles stay in bike lanes? Um, Do we have like a situation where the driverless car itself or the autonomous vehicle, um, is sort of like a red light camera. You know, it, it can it's kind of ticket people if they're getting in the way or being where they shouldn't be. So that, um, I, I have what to pause you
0: there because that is brilliant. That's something yeah. I've never thought of I've never
1: read. <laughs> that, that makes uh. sense. <laughs> See, but here's the it's thing where then thing. it gets creepy. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. You know, because we're talking in these sort of you know, increased, maybe increasingly absurd hypotheticals, we can kind of game the
0: right? Because those um, are the kind of upper and lower bounds, right? So it's good to start there. Exactly.
1: Right <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, so one of my friends, his name's Wes Marshall, and, and he's a civil engineer at the University of Colorado. He kind of introduced to me this idea of, you know, if you have like, teenagers, you know, playing chicken with driverless cars, obviously, then, you know, maybe the policymakers will step in and say, well, okay, we're going to either ticket these individuals or let's take this to now this, hopefully an absurd step and say in certain situations, it's actually okay for autonomous vehicles to hit, injure, possibly kill someone if they're not where they should be, if they're not behaving how they should be. Um, You know, if they may be sort of endangering, you know, either themselves or others. Uh, And then, of course, maybe these autonomous vehicles have a camera on them and that becomes evidence for why they had to run over this teenager. So
0: I once made this comment, this suggestion, tongue-in-cheek. But this is a civil engineer who's saying this, presumably, with tongue out of cheek.
1: (laughs) (laughs) right? I think it was, maybe maybe his tongue was not firmly (laughs) in cheek, but definitely, you know, it was somewhere in that middle ground, for sure. Thinking
0: back on it now, I think what I had actually said at the time was something along the lines of, um, let's see here, Uh, if if the autonomous vehicle is able to put out some sort of um, an audible warning, and eventually even say a command, and if somehow there's an, there's, a, there's an ability to determine some sort of malicious intent, say, from whoever is impeding that car's progress, then arguably, yeah, in the event of protecting the occupants, say, maybe it's able to do certain otherwise questionable things. Uh, I mean... You know, I have to say, as an aside, this sort of reminds me of a thing that uh, I had read. I don't know if it was ever implemented. Maybe you heard about this as well. A few years back, I'd heard that the Muni system in San Francisco, the public bus system, that they were going to start installing mm-hmm. cameras in the buses um, for purposes of photographing and therefore citing things like illegally parked cars. I, I want to say the program never flew. I think there was a lot of you know, fall out from that suggestion. People didn't like the DF cameras, at least here in the States, I think generally were opposed to them. I know in Europe and elsewhere, besides speed cameras or light cameras, really common, popular things. In fact, in France, as you might know, they do um, average speed timing between toll booths as a really effective way to monitor speeding. So, so I, I mean, as, as ridiculous as it sounds, I have to say it's a pretty clever <laughs> idea, though. <laughs>
1: right and you know but and then it yeah and then it's obviously quite terrifying because suddenly somewhere in the the programming there is this ability to injure maim or kill in kill well, humans right and right? no
0: one's gonna be okay with that <laughs> period full stop
1: well <laughs> right, we hope right, you, know. you know um i mean so that's the kind of that's the scary thing that I've done a lot of work researching walking and bicycling and transit use and things like that. And Something that you see happen relatively, not relatively, it's not unheard of is say a cyclist or a pedestrian gets hit and killed by a vehicle. And that cyclist or pedestrian, maybe they, maybe they were or weren't killed, but they can actually be cited for a traffic violation if they were jaywalking or if they weren't sort of where they should be. So, you know, the, the ways in which we assign guilt and, um, uh, the ways in which we assign responsibility are um, kind of up in the air as it is. And so I think on the plus side, if autonomous vehicles are coming online, we have an opportunity to really maybe codify a different way of thinking about things.
0: Sure. Yeah, no, that's an interesting point. And to be fair, I think you're kind of alluding to this, which is, uh, you know, obviously different regions, not just within the U.S., but certainly within the world as a whole are going to have very different ways of dealing with this. I mean, If I'm not mistaken, Netherlands, for example, they're especially strict with respect to bicyclist and pedestrian safety. As I understand it, it doesn't matter if it's the dead of night in the middle of zero visibility, pea soup, fog, and the pedestrians wearing, say, all black with no shiny reflectors whatsoever. If a car should hit that pedestrian, the car is categorically at fault. End of story.
1: Yeah, I I don't know if it's that extreme, but certainly they are much closer to that, and we are much further from that, I would say. Yeah,
0: and so one would like to suggest there's a a middle ground, obviously. I I have to say, um, here in California, one thing that I'm always amazed by, though, uh, so, I I mean, I remember as a kid, I think we all remember growing up, you know, your parents say to you, hey, look both ways before crossing uh, the street. My dad used to go as far as saying, you know, make eye contact with the driver. Like literally actually don't walk right. you've made eye contact. And I really get it. It really works. But what blows my mind is I feel like ever since uh, pedestrians were given essentially, you know, unlimited right-of-way all of the time, it seems like anyway, uh, I-, I feel like people just don't look anymore at all. Uh, I- I've literally seen mothers walking across streets, pushing their baby in a stroller while listening to something on their iPhone, looking at the screen, not looking before crossing
1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Yeah, I,
1: you know, I don't know. I guess, well, so first off, I don't, I don't think that sort of pedestrians have been given, you know, unlimited authority in, in most contexts. Um, in, you know, and, and I think, you know, and it's, it's when we start kind of, coming up with these these anecdotes about people. It's like you can make, make the same case for somebody driving a car who's, you know, messing with their phone of and course. all that sort of yep. thing, and they're not paying attention either. So, you know, I mean, I, I guess it's – I get a little uncomfortable when we, when we start using those sure. anecdotes. Um, but uh, I, I think something that's maybe a, a helpful consideration for um, getting to the root of why I wrote that article is this idea that, you know, prior to – 1920s or so. Really, the you know the streets were were highly unregulated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, jaywalking didn't exist as a crime. There weren't really lanes. We were. This was right when we were just starting to figure out the Model yep. T has shown up, and so now we need to start putting in traffic lights yep. and all that kind of thing. Um, and so the the street space was used for all sorts of things, and one of those maybe dozen different things. And in the last hundred years, we've really gone to another extreme with that. And as I was thinking about this um, and thinking about this article, I was thinking that, well, you know, we kind of have a an opportunity to you know push that backwards and really think about how do we want our streets to be. Now that we've tried both extremes, we can have a conversation about where we want to be. Um, with this new technology coming on i'm not sure if I no no that's actually quite
0: good no i get it um (laughs) so okay let's let's take this to one other level then i guess um say the trolley paradox are you familiar with this all right so i have written quite a bit and kind of argued that i'm a huge fan of taking the simple solution to all this and for listeners real quick we're not Intimately familiar. It's basically this admittedly corner case scenario, right, which says something like, hey, you know, you're, you're in an autonomous car and you've got the choice to either strike, say, grandma crossing the sidewalk or swerve and hit a couple kids or, you know, swerve off the road, off a cliff or into a brick wall, injuring or killing the occupants of the car. What should the car do? And it's sort of one of those supposedly uh impossible sort of no-win scenarios but as captain Kirk would say don't believe in no-win scenarios and um <laughs> you know what i've always done is try to take sort of uh a, a legal view of this which of course tries to assign the reasonable prudent person standard sort of what would a reasonable person in that situation what would they do and i think i probably speak for all of us again i realize this is probably slightly culture dependent um but it seems to me that most of us if we stop to think about it consciously If we were faced with such a scenario, I think we would do anything and everything possible to avoid hitting any sort of pedestrian. We would, in fact, rather swerve our car into a, say, into a brick wall before we struck a pedestrian. I think that's kind of, I think, human nature. Um, So so I guess my question then, going to this trolley paradox first, first of all, what do you kind of think of it generally? Uh, What is your proposed solution to that? And how does that kind of tie in with your whole essay here, your whole article on this sort of potential mutual exclusivity as between autonomous cars and pedestrians.
1: I, well, I mean, you know, first off, I totally agree. You know, it's one of the hardest things for me to learn to do was to not swerve if a deer runs in front That's of me. That's different with the you deer, know? unfortunately, sad, but true. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, I agree. Uh, yeah. And so, so I, I agree. Um, but I think that there's sort of this innate, like, yeah, if you, if you see something, if you see a person in the road, your first thought, not even thought, you know, your first kind of lizard brain reaction is to yep. swerve. So, so I think I, I would totally agree with you about that. Um, now, I guess getting to how I would deal with the the what's it called again the trolley paradox um, is eh, I would try to avoid it for avoid having it happen to begin with um, ignoring you know, the corner well, case and, and I know I think that's, that's a, uh, an invalid uh. exactly <laughs> <laughs> I, okay okay I, go on though with you I realize it's totally ridiculous <laughs> it is ridiculous um, yes so yeah yeah so um, but I, I guess. One of the sort of implicit um, elements of this scenario is the car is moving at such a speed that there is no other option but to turn one way or the other or the other. You know, you have three options: brick wall, person, old lady, whatever. You know. Um, but you know, I mean, one thing that we know from or like the, the transportation research says is speed is what kills. So I mean, a if Jeremy you, Clarkson
0: would say suddenly coming to a stop—that's what gets you. <laughs>
1: Sure. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's <laughs> yin and yang maybe. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, but like, I, I would say that there's, there's an argument for finding ways to make that as much of an edge case right. as humanly possible or, you know, um, and that would be limiting the top speed of these vehicles in urban areas. I, I think that's a really simple solution and, and it's not even my solution. That's um, there's a, a or really famous, um, well, relatively famous guidebook that came out by NACTO, which is the um, North North American Oh National Association of City Transportation Officials. Um, I, I really hope say, I got I was pretty that right. If you did, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope so. Um, but, you know, I mean, one of their recommendations is, hey, look, autonomous vehicles could be really great and could have all of these potential benefits. But one of the first things we have to do is say, hey, look, if, if they're going to be with, mixing with other forms of traffic, they have to be going slow because we know that that is the biggest problem.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Certainly it goes to the point of simple solution being the right one. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question, right? I mean, especially you being in academia, you know, at what point do you kind of decide enough is enough insofar as trying to impose um, – for lack of a better term, these academic corner cases with real-world scenarios. I mean, almost by definition, academic corner cases cannot or at least should not ever exist in real life. I mean, frankly, if aviation were held to the same state, well, actually, that's a whole other discussion. I won't even get into that. But admittedly, (laughs) yeah, on the one hand, aviation, at least just speaking with respect to avionic systems, as you probably know, they are triply and even quadruply redundant in some cases. Um, But to the extent of anticipating academic corner scenarios in real life scenarios. I've not really heard that discussed too much um, beyond the redundancy of the systems, of course. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I mean, I, I, I like the the corner cases as as you're calling them because they're the good thought experience experiments, about all these things. And, and well, and actually I guess my, my answer gets back to the point of that article is, you know, you can try to avoid those corner cases by slowing everything Mm -hmm. down. But of course, Slowing everything down then reduces the efficiency of those autonomous <laughs> <Exactly>. vehicles. So <laughs> that's you know we we just we can't have it all, and we just need to decide which things we want and where we Absolutely. want. Absolutely. Well,
0: look as we kind of wrap up on minutes here, um, why don't we just chat briefly about you know, speaking of corner cases? Although I say that, but this isn't really a corner case, is it? Um, this notion of criminal actions against autonomous cars. What is to stop a group of you know just thuggish folks from surrounding An autonomous car with the knowledge it's not going to run them over with the intent to commit some crime against that autonomous car or especially the uh the passengers within how the heck do you handle that without violating the first law of robotics
1: (laughs) (laughs) so yeah um i'm really glad that you uh you you know you said this to me in an email so i had a little bit of time to think about it but i I don't know that i've come to any (laughs) good conclusions but um you know i think uh my, probably this is uh, this is going to get old, but i'm probably going to take the same tack that I did with the the uh-huh. trolley scenario of who are these thugs, and what interest do they have in this person inside of this autonomous vehicle so i i question I question the motive because also you know we, we don 't really live in a society where there's you know rampant carjackings and all of that stuff. I, I realize those things happen all over the place, but you know i it's it's not currently a problem, and so I wonder why it would become a problem with a without a human driver. Um so yeah that's I guess that's my um totally unsatisfactory answer to your question <laughs> with a question. No I
0: mean it, it's certainly <laughs> a valid answer. I mean I guess the only two points I might throw back in the couple of minutes we have here is number one certainly uh, as you certainly imply that, that there are definitely cities major cities in the world in which this is a very real problem, right? I mean not to Mm -hmm. Not to uh, put too fine a point on it, but certainly um, Sao Paulo and Brazil, Rio de Janeiro, not exactly the the safest places on the road. Um, Certainly even parts of America, to be sure, definitely uh, there are suboptimal spots to be in the middle of the night. But let's forget about passengers, right, their safety um, for a moment. What about commercial trucking? Uh, It seems that um, autonomous vehicle tech is going to probably start to filter out into the real world sooner with commercial trucking, I think. And admittedly, then there's a very real incentive, right, for people to surround and force a truck to come to a halt and steal whatever goods may be inside.
1: Yeah, sure, I haven't uh, thought of neither it that. Neither did I, Yeah, right, I mean, that, yeah. <laughs> right, okay, yeah. Like that makes a lot more sense yeah. than, than somebody stopping their car to like get my crappy 6 year Or for that iPhone, matter, celebrities, you know? right? Um,
0: Imagine paparazzi going into sure. celebrity autonomous cars. That
1: seems like a disaster. Yeah, so then getting back to right. how, do you, how do you deal with this without violating yep. the first law? Um, I don't know that that's possible. Um, and that's a fascinating you know, so I guess, first
0: answer, isn't it? That,
1: that's a fascinating thing just to hear yeah. you say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, you know, I mean, so it's like, you know, I don't know, maybe there's some sort of you know, emergency services that are, uh, well, no, I was about to say drone piloted emergency services, but I can't answer your question with other non-existent technology solutions. Um, you know, but so, so yeah, then do you allow the car or truck to, you know, quote unquote, overpower these people by running them over <laughs> by whatever? Um, I don't know. I really don't know.
0: Um, you know, maybe, uh, again, trying to find a simple solution. Uh, maybe indeed it is a matter of you've got a proper camera set up and obviously whomever is in the car has the ability to immediately uh, push a button and summon emergency services. The moment this occurs, that seems like it might be a solution maybe,
1: yeah, absolutely. I think it would definitely be a solution in major cities, mm, right, you right, know, right. Um, if, if you're talking about interstate right, trucking, that's probably crazy. not, you know, and yeah, and then, you know, then that, that then makes my mind kind of spiral into the realm of like, suddenly, we all have RFID chips embedded in ourselves, and the car knows exactly who you are, who you're who's attacking you and all, uh, all that kind of crazy stuff that probably not worth <laughs> <telling it to. laughs> no i
0: hear you well,
1: well that, that is awesome
0: this has been a really fascinating chat uh and i guess that's probably a wrap here uh so daniel uh Pyrkowski, assistant professor of regional planning university of nebraska lincoln if you haven't read his article head over to greenbiz.com safe efficient self-driving cars could block walkable livable communities dan it's been awesome it's been a pleasure thanks so much for uh jumping on this call with me and until next time all the best Thanks, Mark. Right. Same here. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, so that's a wrap for today. Dan, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you. I had a great time. To everybody else for listening, thank you so much indeed. Have a wonderful weekend ahead. As a reminder, if you'd like to support this podcast, you can now do so with a small monthly donation. Just head on over to markhoge.com. You can find the links alternatively over on the anchor.fm platform as well. Again, thank you so much. Until next time, that should be Tuesday. All the best. Take care. Bye-bye.